0: OK, we are recording, Ellie. There we go. We finally made it here to the first episode of the Present and Sober podcast. So Yay! introduce yourself. What's? <laughs> why are we here? Tell us about you.
1: Uh, so my name is Ellie Crow and I, uh, I live in Cambridge in the UK and I'm a certified This Naked Mind coach. So uh, I've trained with Annie Grace of um, This Naked Mind fame. And then also I'm a certified grey area drinking coach and uh, that was training with a very
0: special lady called Jolene Park. And that's where we met. Sure is. Yeah. So I'm also I also trained with Jolene uh, in grey area drinking, currently training with This Naked Mind as well. Um, So that's exciting. Uh, And, you know, I've had in terms of Breath, breath uh, certificates and kind of yoga certificates and this kind of thing. Lots of different experiences that I try to pull together on this journey. Um, and you know, the nice thing Ellie is that I think we're we're really aligned on just so many different things. Um, mm. And you know, we were we were thinking like, how on earth do we start a podcast like this when we've got so much we could talk about. Um, but you know, you said something to me the other day about a radio show you were listening to that had really struck a chord with you, and it and it did with me as well. So I think that's a that's a cool place to start. So mm-hmm. you know, tell us a bit about that.
1: So so this is a mainstream UK radio show, and I just happened to catch uh, this sort of the second half of it, and I was really excited when I heard it because there on mainstream radio, we've got somebody talking about drinking. Somebody talking about alcohol, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, because you just you don't hear people. It's you, it's it's usually in the shadows, isn't it? You don't really hear people talking about it very often. So I'm thinking, wow, there's this huge opportunity to reach a lot of people with a message. And then as I listened in, I became more and more disheartened. And the reason I became more and more disheartened was because the message was very. um. Uh, how can I best describe it 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 it's perpetuated that uh, story that there are two kinds of people mm-hmm. there are people that can drink and there are people that can't drink which is utter it's going to be a swear word here BS, bollocks it. Fine. we'll
0: tick <laughs> the box that have... says explicit <laughs> material it's
1: fine <laughs> um, definitely with me as a co-host uh-huh. um, so that upset me, it Mm -hmm. upset me listening to this sort of this old story of there are some people that can drink, there are some people that can't because I just don't, I don't buy into that story, I don't believe it and it it was very much lots of uh, clinging on, counting days, Mm -hmm. it's very hard Um, and and this lady that was talking, she was was wonderful to listen to, she was so proud of what she'd done and what she'd achieved Um, and that was wonderful, of course that's wonderful but it felt laborious. It felt difficult. It felt it felt heavy. Mm-hmm. And of course, the person that's interviewing her is sitting in his seat, um, very far removed from it. Almost like you know, this, this is this doesn't touch him in any way whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Now, assuming that he's a drinker, and I believe that he is, then he's no different to that lady. So everybody, every human being is made up of the same blood, flesh and bone and alcohol doesn't discriminate. So alcohol is an addictive substance. It is a drug and it affects everybody. If you're a human being, it affects you in exactly the same way as everybody else. The only difference is that we are made up slightly differently. Mm -hmm. Um, So ultimately, if you choose to drink, then um, it's it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time and quantity and frequency. So if you drink enough, for long enough, frequently enough, then you will become addicted to it because that's the way that it works. So my frustration with this episode, this um uh this t- this radio show, was perpetuating this story. And and even when it came to other people's voices that were were phoning into this show it was all the same voice. So the next lady comes on and the radio host says, oh, and, and t- tell us a bit about you, how, you know, how many days sober are you? Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, I'm making it up, but she said something like five years, two months, uh, a week, three days and seven hours. And I'm thinking, seconds. oh yeah, oh my goodness, like, you know, and again, bravo to you. And um, you know, I'm never going to take away from anybody else's experience or story, but I just found it really tough to listen to mm-hmm. because it wasn't balanced. And uh, and so of course I get straight onto my soapbox and you know, I'm, I'm emailing in straight away, being like, get and this is the second time I've asked this person to let me on his show.
0: Get me on, get and,
1: me on. Yeah, and I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep at it. Now, you, you could argue that my story, my perspective, isn't as uh, radio-worthy because it's not. It's not sensational in the same way. I don't have this huge rock bottom to to talk about. I don't have the these depths of despair to you know to offer for other people's you know salivation. Like I don't have this stuff. What I've got is a story that is about. Um, a waking up, a a, a realisation of um, material facts and science and information Mm -hmm. that completely turned my life around and completely turned my beliefs about alcohol on their head and removed, overnight, removed my desire to drink. Now, there's a, a, a big piece that comes after that in terms of, well, how do you live in a society that is so soaked in alcohol? And there's a lot to talk about there but but it's a very different feeling to be completely liberated and and and, and awake as opposed to sleepwalking and, uh, and 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 just having no idea how it's really affecting your life mm-hmm. and you don't have to hit hit a rock bottom right so even and, and you and i have got the yoga connection i know for sure And I felt this viscerally when I was practicing yoga, I could only ever get so far. And I'm not talking about the physical practice. I'm not talking about, I could only, you know, be so flexible or so strong. I couldn't get beyond a point of, um, you know, if if your journey is to enlightenment, there's only so far that you can go if you don't have full clarity and presence and you can't have full clarity and
0: presence if you are imbibing a substance like alcohol. It's funny, like I um yeah, I resonate with a lot of what you said there. I think we're we have been sold a story for a long, long time. This us and them story that there's a group of people that can drink with impunity and there's a group of people who can't, you know. And the issue of that is, you know, if we if we think of things in that term, um, you know, we don't have cocaine holics who don't have cigarette holics who don't have this kind Mm. of same idea that we apply to all these other substances so this idea of struggle this idea of if you're just one of those people who you know who just can't drink and you've got to you know one one day at a time and struggle through the rest of you know your five years and your six years and your seven years you know that's not that measure is a really to me was always like a measure that I didn't really resonate with because I was like okay so what I'm gonna struggle on like that for the rest of my life where's the freedom where's Mm the you know for me that's the real measure like how free do i feel um mm. and so yeah i think when you hear people talking with these different narratives and you know that we are our belief systems that we carry with us are just so potent that they you know really just color everything that we're looking at so i think we for whatever reason have come to the say a very similar kind of belief system um you know which which we'll talk about a lot over the course of this but i i think covid has been an interesting time because i think it's really helped a lot of people helped a lot it's not sure helped is the right word but a lot of people have started to realize oh sugar alcohol isn't actually helping me like you know i thought it was but now i'm drinking in the afternoons and you know or i'm now drinking more here and i feel more stressed you know it's not it's not this kind of like this amazing thing i thought it was Mm. um and i agree with you you know if you're taking if you're doing some things that are really healthy if you're you know working out or doing yoga or whatever it is then you know if you're Inviting this substance into your life, then it it it's impacting that. And and I think the interesting thing that we both said about our journey is that I think we found our freedom quicker because because of those practices. So mm. because mm. we noticed, you know, oh well, I'm if I'm hungover or if I've been drinking, like you know, my meditations are not the same or my yoga practice is not as not as powerful. Um, and you know, I I really do credit that with one of the reasons I managed to sort of like hop off the, the alcohol train quite early on. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for that, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, look, there's so many things we've covered there and there's so many things, but I think as a framing for where we're going to go with this discussion, um, you know, we've, we met in a similar play, well in the same place in the, mm-hmm. where we, when we were training with Jolene, but we also have very similar ideas about what it is to be free, um, and how you go about finding that, I think. So, you know, we spoke a bit about the component parts of freedom because we feel as if, um, it's kind of a bit of a triad, isn't it? So there's kind of like these three things that happen at the same time, but go on, give us a bit of a, uh, give us some of your thoughts on that. Should we start with kind of what's going on in the mind with alcohol or, or the body, which one do you think we should start with?
1: I like I, I want to back it up a small amount, just uh, where, So way you're talking about um, having that, like the thing that got us there quicker mm-hmm. was, a level of consciousness, a level level of awareness, um, because of the kinds of practices that we're involved in, mentioned meditation and yoga. Mm -hmm. The the reason those things, those practices are important are because um, they cultivate the mind-body connection. So, and, and I think for people that practice, it's easy to overlook that, because if you don't practice those things, you've never practiced those things, you might have some kind of an inkling that, they look like good things to be doing. I I always remember before I meditated, I used to say to myself, I want to learn to meditate because I don't want to be so stressed. Like I'd see somebody sat on a cushion, looking all bliss and it's like, that's what I want. But when you don't practise, it's very, very difficult, I would argue, to have any kind of um, meaningful mind-body connection. And the mind-body connection is so important. So just basically, if you think about the nervous system, so there's there's two ways of looking at it. There is the top down and bottom up. Mm -hmm. And the bit that we don't necessarily realize, we kind of think the brain's in control. The brain is the nervous system. The brain's in control of everything. And actually, it's only 20% of the messages uh, are top down. So it's only 20% of the messages are coming from your brain down to the other component parts of your nervous system, all of your organs and so on. It's 80% of the messages are bottom up. Mm -hmm. So um, the the neuroception, um, the the perception that comes um, from uh, the bodily experience, the somatic experience, that's 80% of your world. And so if if you're not in tune with your body in, in any meaningful way, you're missing 80% of your life you know you're kind of you're on this autopilot but you are not um you're, you're sleepwalking around it you are not um uh what's the word like you, you're not a um like a live player in it you're not you're not there mm-hmm. um so that I always think is a fascinating thing to come back to uh, but it's why as a coach I will encourage people with practices of silence and solitude, particularly because things like meditation and journaling, those are the the practices that are going to allow you, it's uncomfortable, it can be massively uncomfortable to begin with, but those are the practices that are going to allow you to cultivate that mind-body connection.
0: Yeah, it's funny because I mean, all that stuff is happening. You know, is is it 90% or so of your serotonin, your chemical that, you know, makes you feel good is created in the gut. Um, it really is our second brain at the end of the day. So like you say, in the hormone response in our body, so much of it is happening you know, below our neck. So yeah, I mean, if you're still getting those um, signals, but they're kind of uh, coming out in a weird way, right? So it's kind yeah. of like we're, you know, the channels aren't kind of flowing. And so you're not recognizing when you're stressed or like if you're in sympathetic nervous system response, or if you're you know, fight or flight, stressing out, or if you're actually relaxed and digesting, you know, when, you know, and and I think all of the whatever your route to it be it breathing be it yoga be it journaling be it you know mindfulness then yeah these practices of stillness are super super important and starting them just starting them wherever you are even if you're in you know for me I was I was doing this stuff when I was in the throes of like a really heavy alcohol addiction Um mm. and I still think it was worth um, every second even though I think you know you it's really hard to do it sometimes. Like I said, you know, trying to meditate with a rotten hangover, obviously, is not the uh, is not the best way to do it. But it it makes you realise if anything it can make sim- make things for me feel made them feel worse at times. You know, I was like, ah, oh, you know, I, I know what it's like to feel clear. I know what it's like to have sort of more emotional regulation, and mm-hmm. now I don't have that, and it can feel a little bit like you're going backwards. But you know, that awareness is progress ultimately. Um, It sure
1: is. And and, and that's the, that's the push and pull. That's the push and pull of having um, a substance like alcohol in your system. And and that is um, a a painful place to be, uh, particularly when, when you're in that awareness phase. So, Mm -hmm. you know, after sleepwalking around for some time, when you become, when you bring conscious awareness to it, that's where it's painful because you start to see um, not necessarily problems although clearly it does cause problems but the limitations like that was a big thing for me I just I I just used to think god I'm I'm destined for more than this like I'm I know that I'm capable of more there has to be more I believe that there's more to life than this there has to be Um, but when you when you understand how alcohol works you can see how people get so stuck so easily and for so long and that's why this naked mind was just I mean, I, I, I still thank my lucky stars in the universe for bringing Annie Grace's work into my life because it was completely by accident. You know, it's a, a Facebook, a uh, sponsored Facebook ad mm-hmm. was how I found out about this naked mind. Uh, and I read, it was a paper called The Six Vital Things to Know About Moderation, um, which we can put a link to in uh, our show notes. But it's, well. it's um, th- there was some very basic science in that. And that very basic science proved to me that the primary reason I was drinking, so my belief, um, the, the big reason I was drinking was for stress relief, relaxation. What that told me was that, yes, for sure, I will get 20 minutes worth of relaxation, without a doubt. Nobody's ever going to argue with me about that. However, if I want that 20 minutes of relaxation, I have to accept that I am going to have four to five hours of dysphoria alongside it because of the way that the brain is attempting to um, counter the artificial overstimulation of the pleasure center of the brain from imbibing the first drink. So um, in learning that science, I might not have liked what I read, because it, pour, it brought a lot of questions into what I was going to do instead. Mm-hmm. But how liberating is that to know that um, actually, there is a very different way for me for having been stuck. So, you you know, I've got young kids um, and uh, another business, very busy life as most people do. And uh, it's, it's very common that people use alcohol as a means of relaxation at the end of the day. And it seems innocuous until you understand how it really is limiting your life. Um, and so to be stuck and, and often people beat themselves up about, you know, I'm, I'm smarter than this. You know, why, why, am I, why do I continue to do this? So then to be liberated with facts, information, science that then opens up a new possibility, however fearful that new possibility might be what does it mean to never drink again? How Mm. am I going to socialize? What do I do when I go to a wedding? There's a toast, all of that stuff. But I remember even having that ounce of fear, it was far outweighed by excitement, anticipation, curiosity about what this this might mean, what this could open up for me.
0: Mm, It's interesting. I think for me, the scales were definitely more tipped onto the fear side at the beginning if I'm honest. I, so I think I was probably 20 in my mid twenties when I thought the first time I thought to myself, right. Do you know what? I think I need to take a month away from drinking. Um, I've been in Poland, you know, up to that point I've been traveling and I just didn't have the idea that there was another narrative about alcohol just was not there for me. I just didn't really know that that existed. I just kind of knew, um, I and again, a lot of it from these practices, like I said, meditation, et cetera, that like, mm, this isn't right. I need some time away. Um, And so I started taking bits and bits of time away here and there. And I mean, the the connection to your story is the first words I found that really connected with me that were like a line to my soul. And it was like, Holy moly. Like it's it's like, I wrote this where Holly Whitaker's words on hip sobriety, um, on her blog. Um, and it was mad because you know she was sort of saying you know the way she talks was like very like you know to the point and you know mm. it really cut through to me and she was like you know it's, it's it's really scary to stop drinking you know it's frightening to think how am I going to go and do all these things how am I like you said Ellie how am I going to go to a wedding how am I going to socialize how am I going to relax when I get home from work mm. um, and so I kind of felt like I would really really grow and evolve in my time away from alcohol, but then I would keep stepping back into it. And I did that for quite a while um, and had some quite long, prolonged periods away from drinking. Um, and then over time, I really started to absorb, you know, the words of Annie Grace, the words of William Porter, the words of um, books that were really based in science that had another narrative that's real. Um, mm-hmm. And then slowly over time that started to work for me. Um, and, you know, but it's it's funny how like we we've had such different routes to the same place. And I think this is true for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people are in they they just compare themselves to those people around them mm. and they just think, oh, well, I'm not as bad as that person, but that person's way worse than me. Mm. And the danger of that constant comparison game is you never actually turn the, you know, you never turn and look at yourself which is another reason why these, you know, journaling and these things are so powerful because it asks you to do that.
1: Yeah. And, and the other interesting bit that you picked up on there is about meaning and story. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was just literally uh, on a call with a client and um, she was describing to me this thought process that she had about, um, so the, the, there's a friend that she socialized with, um, socialized with who drinks, and she was explaining about their relationship and their interaction, and uh, she said, "I look at her and I just think, you know, oh, she, you know, she she can drink, you know, it's it's not a problem for her, she's okay." And I said, "All right," I said, uh, "She's okay, is she?" And she stopped and she thought about it. She said, well, I said, "You know for sure that she's okay. You know for sure that she's not having the same mental struggle that you had." And she said, "Oh no, actually, I don't know that." And and when and come to think of it, um, he has a lot of evidence as to why she might be struggling and just not voicing the same issue. But th- but this is it, right? This is this is the lens that we um, we look through life um, on, and uh, uh, we have so many layers of meaning that we attach to things, and. Uh, bringing awareness to that is the thing that really changes everything.
0: Yeah. Just the knowledge that, I mean, this is something we should really dive into on some podcasts, you know, story and how we're constantly Mm. generating a narrative and how we have our filter. You know, we see the world as we are not as it is. Um, Mm. And I think there is an objective kind of version of everything that's going on out there, but like no one human has access to that space. You know, perhaps the Buddha had it in pure <laughs> enlightenment, but I'm definitely a long, long way from that place. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's so much power in just acknowledging, well, actually maybe my narrative's not right. You know, maybe everything I've thought about something um, is the complete opposite of the truth. And, you know, that's been the my journey of the last 10 years has been, I've been so wrong about so many things that I was unequivocally, you know, I knew I was right about this and I've just been proven wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's, that's so powerful on this journey. is just acknowledging that wherever you are, um, there is, you know, and I've been in many places of feeling like, Oh, am I ever going to figure this out? You know, you know, can I feel completely free? And the answer to all of these things is like, yes, absolutely. Whatever story you're sat in at the moment, if it's one where you don't feel good, and if it's one where you don't feel you have your personal power, Mm -hmm. then you can get that back. You can absolutely get that back. Oh yeah. yeah, okay. um, sorry to interrupt no, you. No, but you just
1: you just made me think of so I really like Brooke Castillo from mm-hmm. the the Life Coach School, and one of the things that she says and I just think is wonderful is you have to be willing to blow your identity up, and and that's exactly how it felt for me, mm-hmm. and and I see it with so many um, so many people. There's 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 this tipping point at the point that you're willing to be wrong. At the point that you're willing to question everything, um, it's it's a really magical space to see somebody step into that mm-hmm. and how it feels for yourself is it's like this this miraculous wonder. It's it, it feels really rebellious, right? It feels really subversive. It's exciting. It's enthralling. It's um, the, 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 there's so much that you can't see, but it feels really really liberating, um, and that's why. The you know the thought work is such thought and belief work is such a big big part of you know you're talking about the the things that matter that's why it's such a big part and 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 that's many
0: many many podcasts that we've got to uh, to sure. uh, cover in. And that's why I landed on, you know, the name for my coaching business, Sober Rebellion, because of that, you know, it's about it's, it's twofold. It's taking back that word like sober, you know, somber, gray, boring. Yeah, right. OK, whatever. Like I say to people all the time, don't let anybody, you know, ever make you feel that your choice not to imbibe something that you're used to numb is anything. You know, there's nothing boring about that. That is, you know, badass. That is a real act of subversive, you know. real subversive Mm -hmm. act. And that's stepping into the kind of, okay, well, maybe everything I've always thought isn't right. How can I rewrite my story? How can I reauthor my past so that it works for me and empowers me? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, that's a huge part of this journey. And I think if we're really going to free ourselves from any substance or any habit that is getting in the way of us living our best self, um, that's a journey that we really have to to go on and, and walk. And, you know, I often say, Ellie, that I never, ever stopped drinking to make my world smaller. Alcohol was doing enough of that for me. You know, it was Mm -hmm. already closing the walls in. I was already staying in on a Friday night to to drink um, because it was easier than sort of going out and and all the rest of it. And, you know, my world was getting progressively smaller week by week. Um, So when I made this decision, it was absolutely for the reverse of that. And what I've noticed is that, in this kind of us and them world where the story about addiction is, you kind of, you know, if you've got it, you've got it. You're never going to like get out of it. And you're going to have to live with this thing for the rest of your life is that you start in order to make yourself comfortable, you start making your world smaller. So you start mm-hmm. saying, I don't know how to socialize. I don't know how to have fun without booze. So I'm for a little while, I'm not going to do that. And, and great you know, but then there comes a point when it's like, well, look, if you want to go to the bar with your mates and hang out and have fun, that is totally possible. And within your grasp, if you want to go to a music festival, you know, that's within your grasp as well. Um, But, you know, there's a bit of work to be done. It's about looking at yourself, you know, building social confidence. And, you know, this is where I love spending so much time coaching people in this space because Mm -hmm. we want to make our world bigger. Right. And I think both of us feel as if now our worlds are much bigger than they ever were when we used to drink yeah infinitely bigger I mean it it,
1: I could easily sit in a lot of regret for time wasted because I just see what's possible now um and what my life is made up of now so it's it it is huge and trying to describe that to somebody that um is stuck it, it can give them a lot of hope but it can just seem so far away and and the the thought work um and the work on beliefs really does and has the capacity to work very, very quickly. So this doesn't either have to be a long process. Um, and, you know, neither, neither is it explicit to alcohol either, because in this, um, you know, in our culture, we typically reach for substances to numb, to numb our feelings, to not experience the full technical of life we it's just so automatic to reach for something to feel better Um, and and that doesn't have to be alcohol it could it could be drugs it could be something like social media it it, it can be sugar It, it can be anything that's you know readily available and external to us and the good news is that you don't need anything external to you you've got everything that you need within you um, but we're just not conditioned in that way To We just, we, we don't, we don't even see that in the beginning.
0: Yeah. And we live in this kind of placebo effect where if you walk around believing that you can't have fun without alcohol, that you need alcohol to relax that the, you know, that's really, really powerful. You know, your thoughts can literally change how many calories you burn from food. They can literally, the, oh, the yeah. level of power that your mind has is way beyond what most people um, understand. And so you know, when you're carrying that around with you, like you're saying that kind of idea of the Technicolor world, um, you know, for me, and I think for you, uh, we've both realized that it's in the combination of, of using the body work and connecting with your body, using the belief systems and working with your mind that in between that, there is the magic of this kind of like transformation that can happen where you end Mm -hmm. up in this world of Technicolor where suddenly you're like, whoa, I feel like I've woken up Um, and removing these things that put you in a box, (laughs) whatever they are, Mm. whatever, however they limit you Mm. um, is a massive part of that journey. And so I think this, you know, I think we hope to over the course of however long this, this podcast runs to really speak to that. Don't we, to speak to this kind of like the, the body element, the mind element, and then what the combination and the transformation that, that happens when you, when you focus on those two things independently and together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, it, it's, it's, powerful. It's pa- independently, those things are powerful, but put together, it's, it's something else entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you, if you, if you take alcohol as an example, and work on belief, uh, beliefs and thoughts, if, if you do that work, then yes, you have a good chance of finding freedom from alcohol from that substance. However, if you don't deal with the much deeper beliefs, because there, there are, um, and we can go into this on another podcast, there are three la- three layers of belief. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't deal with the deeper stuff, the deeper work, then you it, it's, it's, it, it's quite possible that you will end up reaching for something else. So you could replace alcohol with sugar. I mean, sugar is a really common one with alcohol just because of the way that they both work with the body. Mm-hmm. But it could be, Social media or, or or something else unhealthy relationships um, these these sort of self sabotaging tendencies that 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 we have uh, and so it is so important to do the somatic body work at the same time um, so that you don 't find that you are free from alcohol but a slave to 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 something else so you know ultimately this isn 't about alcohol it 's about um it's about it's about this technical world i i heard um one of one of my dearest clients um was telling me about an experience so we we call um uh, we call experiences with alcohol or even without alcohol actually data points so every experience that you have whether you uh it's a drinking experience or an alcohol-free experience like the first time you go to a festival and you're not drinking it's a data point it's a point to capture data and learning information and she'd had a data point that did involve some alcohol after being alcohol-free for you know way over a hundred days. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was vitally important was within this experience, she captured something so potent for her, and it was and and it was this: it was that on uh, on taking this drink, and she didn't drink a lot. She just you know, on, but she noticed it on imbibing the first drink. She said it was like a dimmer switch, and it was like turning the dimmer mm-hmm. switch down, and everything is then shades of grey. And once you've started, of course, then you know you can't reverse that. Like, you've got to wait for your blood alcohol content to fall for the four to five hours that you feel with dysphoria before you're back out of it again. And then of course, alcohol stays in your system for a lot longer. That's you know, all for another time. But this point about do you want to live in the gray or do you want to live in the technicolor? Now. That then comes on to, well, if you're going to feel, if you're going to feel the technical, you're going to feel all of it. And yeah, boy, you are. Yeah. So you remove alcohol and you are not going to, so, so with alcohol, we know that you can't selectively numb. You numb the bad, you numb the good at the same time. So you dampen everything down. When you remove it, of course, then you feel everything. and that And that is why a lot of people also get stuck because they're afraid to feel their feelings. However, when you get into that territory, that is uh, some serious, serious transformation available and growth. When it feels uncomfortable, that's when you know that you're onto uh, a really good thing.
0: Yeah. And I mean, the alternative in many ways, and I know this because I've been there, is that you end up in this constant game of whack-a-mole where you're kind of like, (laughs) oh, there's one thing. Another thing pops up. There's another thing, another thing, another thing. And so you're kind of like you're moving from, you know, alcohol, perhaps sugar flares up. You deal with the sugar and something else comes back. Something else comes Mm. back back and you end up in this kind of cycle with it. Um when really what you really need to do is just like you know sort sort the issue out, you know, is it like really look at what's going on beneath the surface, which is, you know, some of that is there's all sorts of work. Some of that is trauma work, some of that mm-hmm. is, you know, dealing with your social confidence. Some of that is, you know, perhaps there are things that you know you just know you haven't faced and and I can speak to that definitely and and I will do. Um because you know I had like nearly nearly 2 years away from alcohol at one point where I hadn't faced a lot of of uh, my my the things that I needed to face um mm-hmm. and I had a massive data point after that I went back to drinking um mm-hmm. And, you know, I actually count that data point as one of the reasons that I am fully and truly free. Now, yeah. the w- reason that's amazing is that, you know, my narrative and my truth allows for that. And and your client is, you know, that what a powerful experience to witness just, just a few sips of wine has this effect on me where if you carry the story that is like, oh, right, back to day one, absolutely. Like back, you haven't learned anything, you've ruined, you've failed, et cetera, et cetera. Give you a back. You know, (laughs) that's it. You know, so it's it's not that certain things work for certain people. And I would never, I don't think either of us would ever take anything away from anybody. You know, your path to freedom is your path to freedom if it gets you there. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think a lot of people are suffering silently. Five years, six years, ten years, twenty years on, they're still white knuckling they're still yeah. carrying the idea that ah, uh, it's a second rate existence to live without alcohol when I know and you know absolutely categorically, without a shadow of a doubt, it is a life upgrade, and yeah. you know it's it's not always easy. There are challenges and you really do have to face some parts of yourself that can be a bit scary at times, but the reward for that is that you get to live in. I love this thing. You said Ellie, the, the technicolor, mm. you know, it's just like suddenly everything's in HD.
1: Yeah, and, and the other thing that I really want to say at this point is this point about you're facing some really, really tricky things. And some stuff came up for me. Again, trauma and some uh there's delayed grief from the, the death of my father when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Some bit some really big stuff. Um, and I remember so we have a weekly meeting with Annie Grace as part of the mastermind where all of the coaches get together. And when some of this stuff came up for me, I remember taking it to the mastermind and I wanted Annie's opinion on how far can we deal with this stuff independently? Or, you know, do I need to go and check into some kind of um, residential place or do I need to go find a new therapist? Like, what do I do? Um, And I I just wanted her opinion. And, um, uh, as ever got, you know, some, some wonderful support from her. But one of the, one of the things that she said to me, and I share this with all my clients because it is so true. She says, if you imagine that when when this stuff comes up, that you feel really like it jolts you and you can feel extremely fearful of what you've uncovered and what shit, how much more is there under there? You know, how big is this thing? Uh, Can I face it? She said, you are, if you think about a mountain and you're climbing a mountain, you are already 80% there. So the bulk of the mountain is awareness. Mm-hmm. And so the great news is you're almost there. You've just got this little piece of work to go to, uh, to find the growth on either side. And I remember at the time thinking, I hope she's right. I really hope she's right. And Annie Grace is always right (laughs) so far I've found so and 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 it's it is so true like that that awareness bit is so big and I think we sometimes don't give that enough credit and again if, if for anybody that is in that sort of early part of their alcohol journey like you can take great comfort in that or whatever you're dealing with the awareness bit is the most painful bit but you are you've taken such a leap forward in that yeah Um, you're you're almost there
0: it's in almost every um kind of area that where this is true where often we feel like things are falling apart and they're getting messy and we think we're taking a step backwards and it's actually a sign of progress the same is true of meditation. you know so many people sit to meditate and they say oh yeah i think you know that was okay that was all right and then like a week or two and it's like what the is wrong with me like i I, all i'm doing is thinking like i'm being attacked by this you know the monkey mind Mm -hmm. um and actually it's like well you weren't even noticing that before like now you're actually aware enough to notice just how batshit crazy you are (laughs) like we all are by the way um so like, you know, it's this kind of awareness. And for me, like I said to you the other week, um, I literally felt like I fell apart and I just was looking at all of these puzzle pieces all around me. And, you know, you can see what's in front of you, you know, you're putting the 80% together. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's like this, there's this other bit where you're like, just, you know, you're grasping in the dark and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not. And you're trying to put yourself back together again. Um, And, you know, my journey was, you know, through other coaches and through people that have really inspired me through books, you know, like This Naked Mind, through my personal coaches that I've had in the world of business and all of these things that seems disparate that have come together. um, Mm. Other people have said to me, you know, well, what about that bit behind you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't see that. Let's try that out. Oh, that feels right. And then piece by piece by piece. And I think, you know, the human experience is the puzzles never complete you know, you, you you never stand in front of your thousand pieces and go, oh yeah, all right, fair enough. Like, it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but I think that's the point or or perhaps it's that the puzzle just keeps getting busier, busier, bigger and there are more pieces to put in because we are mm. always creating that narrative, right? Mm. But mm. I think we both hope that this conversation between us can in some small way maybe help a few people put a few of those pieces back in place where perhaps they hadn't seen them.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. So that's, that, that's the beauty of uh, the work that we do every single day on a small scale, you know, with one to one clients, with uh, the groups that we coach, with, you know, I'm coaching the live alcohol experiment at the moment, and y- you can see uh, the, the difference that, that it makes on, uh, on that sort of a level but to be able to have the conversation here in this space and create something entirely new with it it's super exciting and i'm just we've got such a list of things to talk about and resources to bring and tools and tactics there's just there is so much the the challenge for us is going to be um bringing
0: these episodes together mm-hmm. in a uh an accessible meaningful way I think I think so I think people are going to have to forgive us for you know I mean even this episode is, is messy because we've got so many things we want to talk about and there are mm. so many you know and I think we're going to learn and grow and evolve with this I think for both of us well for me definitely um you know I I love this medium I love conversation I just think mm. it's just the most amazing mm. form of expression um mm. Yeah. So like reflecting on this then, Ellie, is there anything that you think, you know, I really want to just, so why are we here? Like what, in in a nutshell, what's the big thing that's, that's brought us here? Why do you think it is that we're sat recording this now?
1: Uh, I I always come back to, uh, so my, when I was thinking about why I was putting myself into the TNMI, uh, sorry, this Naked find Institute training and all of that, why, why am I doing all this? up I was just blown away by how powerful that methodology was. Um, So when I went through the alcohol experiment as a participant, um, it's so powerful, vast and fast change. Mm -hmm. And off the back of that, I didn't want anybody to suffer any longer than they needed to. I didn't want anybody to waste any time. So I'll go back to now that being in a nutshell um, I don't, there, there is this world of Technicolor that we are all, um, uh, we're all, like, we deserve, we deserve to have full experience, we deserve to be able to reach our potential, we deserve to be fully present, and you can only be fully present um, when you remove substances like alcohol. So my whole reason for being here and, and doing this with you is so that we can inspire people to take whatever the next step is for them to have the full experience in Technicolor because you deserve it.
0: Yeah. I, I 100% resonate with that. You know, alcohol and addiction does not give a shit what job you have. It doesn't care where you come from it doesn't care you know it just doesn't care like it's it's indiscriminate and the story that we have is not is doesn't agree with the with that scientific reality and i think you know for me i started this journey early i think i was as i said about 25 26 when i really started 28 when i started to really get a grip on this um and I, you know, I'm meeting a lot of people in their twenties, in their thirties, in their forties who are like, you know, I'm a badass. Like I, I fucking go out, I do all this crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't want to stop it. Like, I don't want to give up electronic music. I don't want to give up all this stuff that makes me, me. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I know you think you have to, but actually you don't. There may be, you know, for me, like I, I don't know, I think I probably had a few more data points along the way than I might have done if I'd have made my world smaller and just sat watching X Factor for the rest of my life. Right. Mm -hmm. But I have decided, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go this journey. I want to be a rebel. And if I can just inspire one or two people to make that decision a little bit earlier than they might have done and actually find a level of freedom that they might not have found because, yeah. you know, we are not designed to drink alcohol. We are not designed to do any of these things. And people have fun in spite of it, not because of it. And I'm not going to, yeah. I people come and, you know what, a lot of people work with me. They want to go out there and learn how to go out with their mates who do drink and still enjoy it, right? That's not for everybody, but I knew I wanted to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I knew my journey wasn't going to be over until I was at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, this is about speaking a new truth for for a different group of people who resonate with a different narrative who, who want to you know live a different kind of freedom so i think it's um i think it's that and i think the pair of us you know we we're really different and we're really similar and we but almost everything we say there's like this underpinning that is just like we the measure is freedom the mm. measure is how free you feel and how and how how good your life is and how much of your power you've taken back from alcohol um mm yeah and i th- i just think i hope that this podcast has some some uh, some effect on that as we go forward
1: mm, yeah oh that was beautiful
0: oh you're so good at this sam <laughs> i'm just uh do you know what for the first time in my life i'm actually doing something that i genuinely you know when you say oh, yes, like, yes. oh i actually want to do this yes. like i've spent my whole <laughs> life doing jobs that are all right knowing there's something bigger and it's like oh holy, yeah. yeah it's actually here so yeah no it's i'm very grateful and um to anyone listening thank you like spread the word um and and let people know we apologize for our ramshackle messy first episode i'm sure it'll connect with a few people but you know it's it's good isn't it to be here i'm enjoying it
1: yeah and uh and it's real it's real and um I'm not going to apologize. I thought you were going to apologize
0: for the potty mouth. I'm not going to
1: apologize for my potty mouth. Oh well, there's going to mouth. be or more of that. Mouth. Yes. Will be <laughs> more. <laughs> I
0: self, I self edited halfway through the episode. I said the word sugar instead of shit, and then I thought, hang on a minute, why are you doing that? You're a rebel. Um, sorry, mum. Sorry, dad. They will be listening. I'm sure. They're they're used to it by now. It's fine. <laughs> oh, dear.
1: oh, awesome. Oh, right. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this, Sam, and look forward to the next episode.
0: Me too. And to anyone listening, you know, just make sure you hit us up on the next episode, spread the word and more details to come as this grows and evolves. Um, yeah. Cool.
1: Wonderful. We love you. Thank you.
0: Love you guys. Well, that's it, guys. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us for the first episode of the Present and Sober Podcast. Make sure to go and search for us uh, in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you're listening from, and click subscribe so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We've got a real treat for you next week. We'll be sharing Ellie's story. um, So yeah, and we'll be dropping loads of really exciting um, updates over the next few weeks. So stay tuned. And look, let's keep making life bigger together.